if you feel like you're finding that you're second guessing yourself, whether it's sending a proposal to someone or just kind of second guessing decisions that you make in your business, it might all come down to one, one word question. Why? This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life. Hello, music school and law school. But none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. Welcome back to the podcast. And this is one of those amazing conversations that I'm having with someone who has been an Instagram friend for many years, but we haven't actually sat down and had a conversation together and it was such a beautiful conversation and the guest that I'm talking about is Sarah Ann Kelly. She is a two times founder. She's a strategist and publicist but also a high achievement coach that talks about the intersection of passion and purpose and mother wound work and entrepreneurism and sales and marketing and mindset strategy and kind of thinking about your clients in a new way. Because like I said in the intro, if you send someone a a proposal, but you've discounted it, and now you're second guessing whether you should have had that price tag, or you're second guessing why they might've said no, you are or might be the special ingredient and kind of getting into a mindset of noticing why you're thinking this way about yourself is kind of the root of that I won't say problem, but root of that situation. What's your trigger reaction when you're in that scenario? As I said, Sarah Ann Kelly is a two times founder and podcast host who lives by the sea with her husband. And you'll hear about that journey in this podcast. She's a 14 year strategist and publicist helping business owners to find the inner high achiever within themselves and their business and is all about simplifying life and business so you can truly live and make your life rich. But before I get into my conversation with Sarah, here is your holistic somatic history lesson on Cape May diamonds. Off the coast of Cape May, New Jersey, you will find quartz pebbles from the Delaware River so clear that they're practically see-through. This is because of an underwater trough. It causes a washing machine tumbler-like effect on the quartz and it's so smooth and polished when it washes up on the shore. In Victorian times, they'd wear them as engagement rings and in jewelry. According to my handy dandy Essential Guide to Crystals by Simon and Sue Lilly, spiritually clear quartz amplifies the energies of other stones placed nearby. It's also said to help reveal truth It can amplify and strengthen the whole aura, cleanse and shift energy, release blocked emotions, and bring about calm. 
It's also said to bring spiritual peace and is ideal for meditation and contemplation. I hope you enjoyed that holistic history lesson. Now, here's my conversation with Sarah Kelly, strategist and publicist. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I am so glad to have you here. We've been Instagram friends forever, and now we yeah. are actually getting to like sit down and chat. <laughs> I love it. You are such a bright space on the internet, and uh, I was just drawn to your energy and what you were kind of providing, and I love that you have that spiritual aspect to you while still having such a law, you know, legal vibe <laughs> to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah you've, got, you've got the dichotomy of both. And I, I was really drawn to that. So thank you for your, your content and what you share. Thank you so much. Yes, it's a balance of, you know, it may not be feminine and masculine, but it's just a balance of serious and fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I would love for you to tell our listeners just um, what it is that you do. I know you have a couple of hats, but also how it is that you got into you know, how you got into PR and publicity, but also how you got into high achievement coaching. Oh, thank you. Okay. So it's a bit of a sordid tale that goes back quite far, but I will say, um, I graduated in 2008 with a dual major in communications and political science. I had every hope and like aspiration of being chief of staff for a political Wow. Yeah, I was hoping to go into law school after graduating, but the recession of 2008 kind of really thwarted um, the thoughts of taking on any more debt, let alone the whole, um, really, the uh, I would say employment landscape was really different back then. It got shook up pretty immediately. And the job law school in 2009. So I can definitely identify with that. (laughs) Like the, the jobs that were typically relegated for new college students were now being completely reserved for 30 and 40 year olds with mortgages and families to provide for. So it was a really small, um, window of opportunity for me to be able to get something on paper that really related entirely to what I wanted to do. And Throughout college, I enjoyed going. I was in school in Philadelphia, so uh, the nightlife was really plentiful then. It was a still a, a club town where you could go out and go <laughs> dancing at night. So I was primarily helping all of my friends that were club promoters with figuring out how exactly to go about creating branding and um, just a community around their parties that they were throwing weekly or monthly. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of led me down a very specific gener- generational um, boom in Philadelphia of helping nightclubs and restaurants with their marketing. Uh, social media was not a thing yet. So we weren't really, we were on the boot, boots on the ground. It was old school PR and old school marketing. And um, it really helped me to be able to pivot immediately. Um, it helped me to be optimistic because at the time I was 21 years old, no idea what to do. Every older person I knew was panicking big time because life was super scary for the first time ever financially for our country. And it just made me feel like, F it, like I'm 21. This is the time to mess around and find out what's going to work and what's not. And 14 years, three years after that, I started my PR firm officially, just had so many people asking me for help. And I'm like, well, I should start charging a little something for what I'm doing. Yeah. And right. And now 14 years later, I've been doing PR and strategy 
um, joyfully. And it's, it's been really great. Amazing. And how has that, how has that experience? It's so interesting that you said building community as part of what you were doing in 2008, 2009 with these clubs and restaurants, because that's not something, that's something we hear about all the time now, but it's not something that mm-hmm. we heard about in 2008 and 2009, especially a, with regards to a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I imagine that has a little bit to do with how you, how you got into the coaching world, but how did that, how did that transition happen? I will say that although a nightclub and a restaurant are kind of more of those types of businesses where they fall into the category or they used to fall in the category of if you build it, they will come mentality for their customers. Mm -hmm. Because of the specific time frame we were at in Philadelphia, we were primarily a nightlife city. We were rivaling New York at the time with famous DJs and things that were going on. And the recession immediately brought a screeching halt to that because only a certain age of people had a disposable income to be able to keep going out to the nightclubs mm-hmm. and spending money on drinking and partying. And it really transitioned into a restaurant city and then is now primarily known for its restaurant um, atmosphere. So it was really just me trying to help change the culture via the people that were typically going to nightclubs to now value and prioritize a fine meal as the place to be seen rather than bottle service at a nightclub. So it was really just trying to, oddly enough, get people to uh, maybe put on a little bit of a refinement hat and start to grow up a little bit from partying into enjoying a meal with friends or you know nice spirits with friends. Um, that culture aspect is absolutely something that Definitely at least uh, rip the bandaid off of being afraid. You know, I'd have for some clients, I'd be standing out front of their restaurant all day long, just handing out flyers, like doing the nitty gritty, the non-sexy things of marketing. But it was always very humbling to recognize that you are one message out of a thousand that people are interacting with in a day. And you really do have to make an impact. And for the community aspect, the impact portion was just letting people know the differentiating factor of the restaurant because restaurants were typically at that time frame mainly quick food or very expensive food there was no real in between and this kind of culinary explosion at the time really did bring in that casual fine dining market that is now what Philadelphia is known for so it really just was mean getting into the heads of these people and trying to figure out how could I get them to value a fine meal over bottle service at, mm-hmm. you know, denim nightclub, but it mm-hmm. definitely did set the tone for always recognizing that first and foremost, you need to know who you're talking to. You need to know what it is that they like, they want, they need, what are their problems? And then how can your client or you yourself as a business owner kind of go about just gently dangling the carrot? Cause they have to come to the conclusion themselves. They can't have it kind of forcefully given to them. Yeah. Very delicate. Very yes, delicate. very delicate, like dating. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. And so is that, or can you tell me what it is that you focus on when you have your coaching hat on? Is that kind of a, a part of it? For sure. I think for me, when I am working with someone in a coaching capacity, there's always going to be the components of you know strategy, maybe having some miswiring or things aren't speaking to each other that could certainly like ease the burden off of the business owner and the things they're responsible for. 
I'll be honest, um, I've come into a really great awakening of my own over the last two years, and it indirectly affected my business and very directly affected me with the way that I like to approach working with a business owner, because I recognized that up until about two years ago, I wasn't really thinking about the person who was the business owner. I was thinking about the suit that they put on every morning and they walk out the door and they go to this place and they become this thing. But all along, they're still the person under the suit. And we really do dictate a lot of the success or you know subsequent failures in our business if we don't have certain number of things in place. And I personally had to recognize that although I had drive, I had ambition, I was motivated, I worked long, hard hours and was absolutely not doing so in vain. I was always missing the mark and it always seemed to be a little self-inflicted and it really got me wondering where along my formation of life did I have a bit of a hiccup with my value and my worth because I was really coming up against the crux of recognizing that I am very talented. I'm very capable of all these things I set out to do, but I myself trip at the end because I don't believe that I deserve X, Y, Z because of value. Do you agree? Yes. What, was this something you also had to come to your, yourself? Yes. Worthy, worth and worthiness is a repeating yes theme. <laughs> yeah. It was really strange. And to be quite honest, I never felt more of a failure than recognizing in that moment that I was the thing holding me back. It didn't matter what strategy I put into place. All the things that I needed and that I give to my clients and my students now only worked when I, the special ingredient, was able to level up and fulfill the role needed to properly kind of get to what my goal was. Um, so that's been really a big eye-opener for me. And um, when working with someone, I am now very curious of, of where their life started. How did things go for you? What were your foundational years like? And these aren't very direct questions that I'm asking. They're a little intrusive in that manner, but I try to get to know them. I open up a lot about my own journey, my own story, let them know for 14 years, you know, I was barely scraping by with what I was making because I was undercutting myself or I wasn't, you know, just all the things that we do as business owners. And then they recognize like, okay, this is a safe space because I've done that exact same thing. And if you can tell me that to my face and I'm here paying you to help me, I can open up about this. And I actually never recognized like you that this is something I need to consider if I wish to take entrepreneurship and my business seriously. So once they kind of understand that I'm coming from a, a quite recent place of being in the same headspace that they are um, and letting them know that for me, at least that aha moment, that light bulb, that was all I needed. I've been off to the races since then because it is not something you just switch and it's done. It's every day I'm recognizing like, hey, you deserve a little bit more of a boundary here with this client. Let's put one in place in this next email. Or, hey, like that person totally just like dismissed your concerns for their, um, you know, way in which they spoke to another member in your group chat. You should take them aside and do something about that and state, you know, based on the rules of the group chat, you've just broken them not once but twice. So we're going to have to do something about this. And it really does 1% a day give me that constant up and up and up to where 
now two years, about two years later, it feels like a habit. It's something I don't have to think about, which is ultimately where like the skyrocketing of my business and my personal growth has kind of come together because I'm no longer uh, setting myself up for failure. I'm just taking the pressure off and just trying to do my best and get a little bit better every day. That's so interesting. So what, what was there a, was there a modality or a something that helped you to kind of hear yourself when you would tell me, tell me when you would have those moments of like, I should maybe think about doing this or like setting this boundary. What was it that made you kind of self-aware of those things? Okay, guys, we're going to get real acquainted right now. So uh, two months in or two years and four months ago, my husband and I quit all of our jobs in very stable life, living in a beautiful apartment in Center City in Philadelphia to move home with my mother in my hometown in the home that I grew up in. My father passed away four and a half years ago and she was in the home by herself and wasn't really doing too well after two years of grieving. So we decided we were going to implode our comfort, move in with her and work on building out our businesses. In this time frame, I had never really expected, due to just previous, the way that our life was structured before, most of our concerns were for my father who had cancer for 20 years and it was a really brutal mm. 20 years. He was not well at all the entire time. Um, so I didn't really know my mom. And I didn't know my mom from my youth and I didn't know my mom as an adult to another adult. And it really brought to the surface a lot of what I now know to be the mother wound. And the mother wound is our exact um, correlation to our value and our worthiness. And I had a lot of really traumatic memories and things come back to me to let me recognize that like this uncomfort that you feel around her in these situations we're now having because we live under the same roof are things that you can do something about. And they are things that are going to free you. And it kind of took a little bit of like, you know, sobbing constantly to my husband and being like, why is this happening? What's going on? came across a book, read it. And I was like, holy moly, this has been the linchpin to my lack of success in life. It's because I need to diminish my status in life to appease the mother. I need to be less than so that the mother will provide the love and the this and the that, that as an infant or child, you desperately need to survive. I don't need that anymore from her. I didn't for a long time, but my subconscious programming was really ruling me in a way that was just, I was on a hamster wheel. I was working 18 hour days for people that didn't deserve my time and attention at the very discounted rate I was giving them. I was giving my mom too many, um, just passes of bad behavior and things that like, I wouldn't accept from a stranger, let alone a parent. So putting in a lot of boundaries was huge for me, but the real kicker was reading two books, actually one called inherited inherited trauma. It's about generational trauma and the ways in which you are receiving programming from someone else's experiences. And they're kind of trickling down generation after generation. So if you feel like you're a person that has a mindset, you don't really mesh with, and you want to get rid of it, you don't know where it came from or why it's with you. This was where my work began. And this was honestly, I had such a crazy light bulb moment when I read the second book called The Mother Wound. And she exposed so deeply for me the way in which that I was sabotaging myself. And I was able to go through almost every client I've ever had. And I was able to pinpoint their mother wound and the way in which it, it wow. just, 
extrapolated out into why they needed to hire me, why the relationship didn't go well between us, why they didn't implement what I gave them to do. And that really has been the catalyst to me creating what I now have, the High Achiever Academy and cohort. The academy portion is really nailing down the business strategy, modernizing your systems, trying to get things as refined as you can so that you can spend more time as your as the CEO and the operator of your business doing things that only you can do. And then the group coaching portion of it will be two hours a week of meeting and really working on our mindset, working on ways to reestablish habits, boundaries, um, really understanding what our thoughts are and our value and our worth and how we allow that to kind of affect our day with others, with our job, with our health, with our mindset. Um, and these are all things I really just fell into in a way that feels really serendipitous to the journey that I'm on and what I need to be helping others with. So I I'm really grateful for these last two years. They've been extremely difficult. Nothing as hard as grieving for my father and, and that whole journey, but for myself, me independent of anybody else, this has been the hardest thing I've ever done. And uh, I'll probably cry now. I'm a crier, okay. uh, but I literally am so uh, grateful and thankful every single day that I just got the inkling enough to look in, a, in the right direction that really has not only changed my life, changing my husband's life, um, changing my, my client's life, my future students' lives in a way that feels really special and feels very in line with my purpose and my talent and my passions. And it's all I want to be able to help others get because it's bliss. Wow. That's incredible. I'm going to ask you for the names of those books so that we can link to them because- oh, I will, please. Everyone needs powerful. to read them. Yeah. They're incredible. Really quickly, I wanted to tell you about one of the ways that I've worked on to add a little more ease into your day-to-day -day in terms of your business day-to-day -day and your operations, because I know you've spent so much time developing your expertise, your content, your brand, and you're not about to risk it all. And I don't want you worrying about things like, what if my client wants to cancel halfway through my program? What if one of my students rips off my course content? What if my VA is reckless with my passwords? And that's why I created the Legal Apothecary Library, which is a contract template library specifically for soul-driven coaches and healers. So if you're interested in getting all of the contracts you need to protect and start a business like that, head to the link in the show notes and let me know if you have any questions. I would love to know as you're doing this work with these clients and kind of helping them through this process, what are, what are the most common, you know, the, the top one or two or three little themes that you see, does it all tie back to the mother wound, mother wound and worthiness, or is, are there other themes that you see come up when you're doing this high achievement kind of work? Ooh, so the main thing that over time I've been able to kind of correlate was that so many very capable individuals were just doing too much because they felt like what they were doing wasn't enough. I caught myself doing this with putting together um, my course and the program and I'm just jamming it with so much stuff. And it's like, hold on a minute. I don't need to stockpile to make them feel like they need to work with me. My heart and my gift and my words are all I've really got to give. All this other stuff is ancillary. And I couldn't help but notice how many people 
fall into that, especially service providers, educators, online course creators. We are going and this bonus and this bonus, and you've got seven bonuses. (laughs) Yes, it's confusing for the customer. It's absolutely exhausting for yourself, and none of it is leading to a stable, repetitive, profitable foundation or future for your business. That is number one. The other direction that the other direction that seems the most prominent tends to be a little bit more negative. They've got a bit more of a wall up. There's blame placing. There's ego enactment. There's, um, well, I hired you, so you're going to do this. Uh, It's a lot of just like the fear has taken them over so much that they're clouded and they're unable to get out of their own way in essence, because there's just a lot of rage there that hasn't been dealt with. We all have these problems. Like no one had a perfect relationship with their parents. No one had a perfect upbringing. We all have something inside of us that as the generation we all are, we're kind of blessed to be able to deal with rather than bury deep inside, like all of our older. Yes. Poor fathers (laughs) and poor mothers. (laughs) Bless them. But, um, Fear is the other big kicker and the fear is the hardest one to really try to not penetrate. It's I'm not forcing myself on people, but I understand that uh, there's a lot of hurt there and nothing good that's long lasting will come from that pain until it's kind of been at least named, looked at, spoken with, identified. And then, you know, you kind of go from there. You're not going to be able to wipe away overnight your value issues or your anger, but you just giving them a name and knowing where they live in your head can be really comforting because at least you're like, aha, this is the thing that's been a bug in my ass for so long. Like, okay, all right, I see you. And then you just find yourself noticing like, whoops. Why did I get so freaking mad like that? That's inappropriate. Like, what's going on here? What am I really upset about? So I think it's just trying to reparent ourselves for the things that mm-hmm. we didn't get the proper examples of because emotional regulation is success. It is achievement. Without emotional regulation and the ability to have your mindset to be stronger than your feelings, you're going to have a really difficult go of it. And they're always outliers that become very successful, viral, this and that, but it won't last. It's a flash in the pan. Yep. Oh, that's so interesting. So what is, if you can tell us kind of step one to getting to that noticing place where you can actually take a step back and say, ooh, I really was maybe a little hot in that response or or felt something in my body. You know, it's hard to... When you're starting out, I say this, it's a little bit of a loaded question because I'm, you know, we're all on these different journeys and sometimes you recognize it and sometimes you don't. So what is your kind of go-to step one to getting to that noticing place? I think for me, because I was a person that um, needed to overperform to get attention because of what was going on around me, um, feelings of guilt or feelings of just overall like ick, like, oh, like my soul ached, it hurt. Like maybe I sent a proposal out to a client and instead of adding the 3000 to it that I should have, I 
took the 3000 off and then I sent it and then they accepted it so quickly. And then I'm like, man, like why? The why is the first step. Why did I do that? Mm. Why did I do that? Because I was scared. Why was I scared? Because I thought if I gave them too high of a price, they'd say no. Well, why would they say no? Because they weren't clear enough on what I was giving them in value and that they really needed it. Well, what could you have done instead? I could have better prepared them to understand the value of what they're getting and that this is an investment for their business. Well, how can you do that? By believing in my capabilities and what I'm doing and accepting no less than just maybe you need to just create a base number for yourself to, to know that no matter what, at the very basis, you're covering the hours it will take, the energy that you're going to need to complete it, the years that went into you gathering this understanding, be able to do this work. And then ultimately, are they going to be a problem client or are they going to be someone that you enjoy working with? If they accept that, that base number, I at least know that I gave myself everything I truly needed and wanted. And it feels a little less like I've set myself up for failure immediately. Now, if I take a lesser paying client, I'm not enjoying doing this work. I'm feeling taking advantage of, but they didn't even realize they were taking advantage of me because I was the one that put you myself gave in them position. that. Yes. I gave them the right to make me feel like they were taking advantage of me when they're an innocent bystander. They're thinking they're getting a deal. They don't think they're screwing me. I gave them the number that I didn't like. So those moments of chaos where you're almost like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. What, why did I do that? What am I doing? Like pull it together. Just feeling the ick for myself was big because I, uh, Years prior to meeting my partner, I would have just swept that under the carpet and be like, you won't do that again, but I would. I met my husband and, you know, the, I wanted to level up. I knew that I could be a better person for myself and he, the love that he had for himself and the work he was doing on himself inspired me to, to kind of take that direction. So it is easier now for me to, at the very least, want to flex these muscles. So let's say I give them the proposal with that extra 3000 on it and they say, no, okay, no skin off my back. I just did a muscle rep that makes me feel more comfortable in the future to do something that supports my boundaries or is going to prop my goals or is going to help ensure my success or at least the overall success of everyone involved. And um, the why, the ick, and then just keep asking myself, well, why, why? Why, 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 why? After three or four, you get to the core of it, which is your emotion. Oh, I feel less than. Well, why do I feel less than? Well, you know, my parents were really busy and I had to perform hard to get even just the pat on the back because I was the reliable one that they could leave quiet in a room for a few hours because they knew I wasn't going to do anything. You know, like it, um, it's very hurtful to recognize that at 38 years old, you're still operating under the guise of a seven-year-old and, and those wants and needs. But the minute that you recognize where and who is at the wheel, I've been able to bring that age all the way up to like 16, 17. So I am really working towards these things that I occasionally find me holding back. And I assume this will be growth that lasts a lifetime. There's, you know, we're, there's no epitome to reach. Um, my goal and the goal that I have for my students and my clients is to just feel 1% better a day because that's, that's the true growth. That's the, 
that's the modality that over time just amasses you such success that feels like it came easy and it feels like it's you because it is you. It has now become you. You have become it. Wow. It's it's so simple and and just asking why. I mean, that is so so simple in theory, but also takes practice, just like everything. It's a practice, right? For sure. And it took a lot of me just refusing to not look at myself anymore. I think um, my husband's been a really beautiful mirror for me and all the positive things that I have. And uh, my mother's been a really great mirror for me with all of the negative things I don't like about myself still that I need to kind of reprogram. So I think you're going to have these people around you that cause you to feel a positive or negative reaction and ask about both. It's important to know why certain things make me happy, make me feel comfortable, make me feel driven, motivated, satisfied, successful. Any emotion that you're feeling, it is important to know the initiation and like the intention behind it. But I think in the beginning, it was easiest for me to focus on the negative ones because I was always very hard on myself internally. Like who I was and how I spoke to myself I wouldn't speak to anyone the way that I spoke to myself. So that is also kind of where the focus of the questions of why, at least me asking why wasn't being like, oh, you dumbass, why did you do that? Or, oh, you're such a, you know, mm-hmm. insert any explanative you want. That was me inside of my head. So at the very least now, I've kind of confused that part of my brain that would get really nasty to me by just asking questions. And it's made it less of a trigger reaction. It's not to say she's completely gone because every now and then when I have a big flub, she comes to play and I have to be like, I hear you, but like, that's not helping. So simmer down. Like, let's get back on task here. What's the next thing I need to do to rectify what's happened or pivot or do something else? But um, for me, the positive as well as the negative, they carry the same weight now. In the beginning of this work, it was easier for me because I was so negative to myself to see the negative things I didn't like. Now I'm really enjoying being grateful for the parts of me I do enjoy, uh, for the aspects of my life and characteristics that have given me the life that I want. Um, And it doesn't have to mean money. It could mean something as simple as, you know, like I'm able to pull from joy and find a present moment like that. And that took a lot of work, but Mm. it helps as an entrepreneur to pull yourself out of those deep moments where you feel like you're suffocating in work that you love, but you need to take a step back. So inciting gratitude at a moment's notice has been really helpful. And I do find that the more people that start to implement that into their daily life, find their work to feel a little less daunting. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so much of what you just said just strikes a chord with me. (laughs) We're all the same. It's we're all having the same exact journey. And that's kind of where, you know, you're going to have experts on the internet. I've been doing this for 14 years, but the only reason why I would tell anybody to give me their money right now and let me help them on this journey is because of the last two years and three months of my life. It wouldn't mean anything without the last two years of my life. And I've had an incredible career. I've worked really amazing brands and clients and shows and things that just showed me that I, I I knew what I was doing and I was very talented and I was capable and other people that I felt were of a caliber thought so too, but it didn't do anything for how I felt about myself. And that was what was holding me back. Um, so I would state that 
if you think you're in this secret bad place that nobody else is in, you couldn't be more wrong. It's just the fact that we're afraid to tell each other what the reality of our business is like, what the reality of our day-to-day is, what the reality of our emotions are, our mindset. Um, that I think is the the shroud that I love to lift because once everyone realizes that we're all kind of growing, learning, tumbling, falling together, getting back up, doing it again, it becomes more of a journey and less of a mission. This shouldn't feel like a mission. It should feel like the thing you wake up every morning and you're so excited to like get your toes on the ground and get up and get at it. And until two years ago, I didn't have that feeling because I was weighed down with such angst and anxiety. I didn't know who I was. I was constantly just selling myself short to trying to fit in very small narratives, very small places. And yeah. And the expansion is there for everyone. And you and you alone are in charge of your expansion. No one can like take your autonomy from you in your growth, but you, you can feel like you've got a lot of restrictions. You can feel like you're in scenarios that are hopeless. And I've been in them. I've been in plenty of them. And this isn't to like proselytize, like, Oh, listen to me and you'll be great. But there's courage in taking a hard look at who you are. And that courage for me has been, I guess, the guiding light to just F up and not be mad at myself. Because yeah. that alone is a win because of just how vile I was to myself. And it really, it's amazing that I didn't consider that it was severely inhibiting my success in my business. We, we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to anyone else, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, Something now that I'm very proud of to have the only 10% of the time that I'm speaking to myself. But I think for me, the confidence of now knowing who I am paired with the very undeniable fact that I know I have this skill set um, is where I want to help everyone to get to. Because that's when the fun starts. It's like you're always going to feel doubt. You're always going to feel a little bit of shame and awkwardness around the fact that you started this business. It's like, yes, embrace that. Don't think of it like it's a negative thing that you value yourself enough to want to try something different. Make it be your superpower. It is special that you've become a business owner or you're considering it. It is rare that you've actually made measures to make it happen. And it is overwhelmingly the case that you do not feel successful at it because so few businesses are truly successful over a long haul without virality or celebrity or a multi-million dollar corporation behind them. And those are tools that 99.9 of us just don't have access to. But what we do have access to is becoming the full entirety of every bit of who we were supposed to become. And that superpower alone makes you the it factor, the main character energy, the like Mm. CEO. But it's not until like, I used to walk in a room and immediately figure out where I could go help somebody or do something quickly at a, a networking event. It's like, why? I'm not here to help you put out napkins on the snack table. Like Sarah, step away and go <laughs> talk to people about yourself and what you do. And now it's um, earlier in my career, that was definitely something I struggled with. But now I walk into the room and I look like, who's here to hire me today? Who's here to 
ask me what I know that I'm excellent at. Who in here looks like they're early in their career and I can help them? Like, I'm still looking to help people, but I'm looking to help people that are ready for it. And not everyone is ready for it. So I think that has been the really big eye-opener for me as a coach and as uh, an entrepreneur who's providing a service to others. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. I say it so many times. It's sad. And it makes me sad when everything is right in front of them. And the only thing holding them back is themselves, but it doesn't feel like it's themselves to them. They've got a laundry list of reasons why it won't work. And over time, you know, I'll check in on them and, you know, their business is doing okay. And then a year later, they're gone. And a year later, they're back to working a job they hate. And, you know, their social media starts to change and they seem miserable. And then, oh my God, you're getting a divorce. Holy crap. Like, the thing that kept them from being successful in business was not relegated just to affecting their business. Mm. It poured over like a cancer into every bit of their life. And I do feel as though, you know, there are going to be certain cases where people need a lot more help than they're going to be able to handle for themselves. But at least identifying what your past has been like for you, the the overall theme it created for you in your life. Are you a giver? Are you a taker? Are you a manipulator? Are you avoidant? Um, you know, there's just all these characteristics that we have in ourselves that may not be out all the time, which is why we don't really see them as a problem. But because they are inherently, we'll call them negative, they're only gluing more stickies on your body to the floor that are keeping you from flying up mm. to that next level that you're meant for. So clearing those cobwebs ultimately is what I hope for my students to achieve within like this program that I've created. And within the six weeks that we're working together, the main goal is for them just to be able to pick the moments that they're not happy with, identify. Because once you've become aware of what you're not happy with, well, now you've got one thing on your list that you can start to back back engineer out and figure out how you're going to change it. How are you going to fix it? And for me, having a plan always made me feel better and safer emotionally to try things that felt scary. Um, and I find that a lot of people do respond well to having a tiny bit of structure around a super scary, completely out of left field, brand new thing they're doing. So I think I lost the point. <laughs> no, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> You took us on a journey of, of, of kind of a step one. And my, my final question to you is if someone is ready to take this journey, how can they get in touch with you? How are you, how are you helping people currently? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. So I actually just today released the application for, um, my high achiever Academy and cohort. I want to make sure that whomever is applying is in the right place in their business. I don't want this to be a wasted opportunity um, for them, I don't want someone that would have been better suited to not get space. Um, I am only taking 10 applicants. So if you get through the application process and we have a certain number of boxes checked for your business and what you've got put together, mainly, are you legally compliant? Do you have a product that's ready to go that you're ready to sell or a service that you provide that's ready to go? Um, and really just if you have those things in place, then we can 
get, get off to the races, but I am looking for individuals that are just ready to change their daily habits. They're ready for that to affect their life and their business in a positive way. And they're ready for that to kind of trickle off onto them and their family and those that they interact with, maybe their employees. Um, it's kind of a lofty goal, but I really do hope to help, you know, a, a billion people over time with like just feeling safe and comfortable in themselves to just do good by then, you know, like we're, we're all here to do very specific and special things. And I want everyone to feel like it is their purpose in this life to get out and give that special thing, whatever it is. And I know that a business strategy and a mindset strategy get you off to the races in a really beautiful and supportive way. And I am very thankful and, uh, extremely grateful that this is kind of where I'm at in my business. And I'm so excited to kick off this cohort. So if you're listening and this is for you, uh, maybe I could give you the link for show notes. So Absolutely. they would have the easiest way to get in there, but just apply. Don't feel scared. Applying doesn't mean that you're, you're in there and you have to pay and jump all, jump all in. It's just a conversational starting point. And, you know, maybe it's something that if you don't think you're in the right space for, and you still kind of want to get an idea of where you should start, what direction you should go in, click the link in the show notes, fill it out. Tell me that in one of the answer boxes, and it would be a pleasure to become your pen pal until you figure out where you're at and what you're looking for. Um, I didn't really have that person for myself. And until I met my husband, I didn't really have that spiritual life presence either that kind of made me feel comfortable to do these things. So I do take it very seriously. And I understand just what a kind word from someone that's a few years ahead of you can really do for you. Um, so I am always open to that. So please feel no pressure. Just email me. Well, I'm so glad that we have been Instagram pen pals <laughs> for the last couple of years. And thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, Maria, thank you. It was a pleasure. This is my second episode ever. It was so enjoyable. And thank you for the questions and thank you for your platform. I am very uh, grateful for all the information that you share and you've built such a beautiful community and they love you and they love what you provide them too. So thank, thank you, for you your so work. much. I love doing it and I love having you today. Oh, thank you. I hope you loved that conversation with Sarah. I will drop all of her links in the show notes. And if you learned something new in this episode, go ahead and share a screenshot on Instagram, share your takeaways, tag me at HeySoMaria, or just leave a little review or rating here on the podcast. It helps so much. Thanks. And I'll see you next time.